Welcome to the Every Nation Rosebank Church Podcast. At our church, we honor God, make disciples, and transform nations. For more information about our church, visit everynationrosebank.org and don't forget to subscribe. So yes, it's an honor to be here tonight. I am continuing our sermon series on Marketplace Miracles. Um, It's a continuation of the miracle series that we were doing and Darian kicked off the Marketplace component of it last week. And I'm really excited that I get to share the word tonight because this is something that God has been ministering to me about, I'll put it that way, for the last while. And um, if you're in my connect group or something, you would have heard me complain many, many a time about this topic. So I'm very excited to share what God has been doing in me with all of you. Um, Tonight, we're talking about what it takes to be people that God uses for miracles in the marketplace. And so the title of the sermon is called Back to Basics, because really it's quite a basic component of how God created the world, that he would use us to bring miracles in the world around us. That's a very foundational part of his creation, that we are meant to be bringers of the kingdom of heaven, bringers of miracles and transformation in every part of life. And so we're talking about these basic components that we need if we're going to be those people, if God's going to look at us and say, that's a faithful servant that I can use to bring transformation. What does that look like? What does that entail? So if you like structure, here's my structure. I'm going to talk first about the why, because I think it's really important that we dig a little bit deep into what Darren started last week. And then talking about the how, your character and your competence. Amen. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus, that in every part of our life that you have got a plan and a purpose to prosper us and not to harm us, Lord God. That in every part of our life, you have a vision for how you want to use us. And I pray that as we talk on this topic, Lord God, that you administer your love and your truth to us, Jesus. That you administer to us about how you created us and what your vision is for us, Lord God. And that we would surrender the lies we've believed about ourselves, the pain, the hurt, the disappointment that has changed our perspective on the marketplace. And that we would choose to receive your vision, your truth, your hope, your goodness tonight. I pray that you would set us free from anxiety, set us free from fear of disappointment, fear of lack and that we would trust in you when it comes to the marketplace. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 So, when we're talking about the marketplace, there's a lot of different perspectives that people in this room probably have about it. Whether you have a job, are looking for a job, are an entrepreneur, are starting a business, whatever your space is, there's a different perspective that you probably have to the person next to you. And so, before we can get into what what kind of people we should be to be miracle bringers, you know, in the marketplace, we need to talk about the why. Why do we want to be miracle bringers, if I can call it that, in the marketplace? Why do we work? And when I ask this question, I'm not talking just about the theory, but what's your why? Right? This has to be about your why when we're talking about it, because all of us have a why, and if we don't interrogate what that why is, then whatever ideas we have to try and bring change and transformation could be cancelled out by what our real why is. So let me put it like this. You've probably heard this um, phrase, culture eats strategy for breakfast, right? When I talk about culture, I'm not talking about your heritage. I'm talking about the things that you do automatically without thinking about it, right? The 
your habits, your patterns, your perspectives, your way of thinking. And you may agree with me at some level that you want to see miracles happen around you. But if your why for why you work has to do with um, primarily financial stability, let's say, and financial security, then you're never going to do something that you feel would threaten your job or put you out of work. Or if part of the why for you is about you know, respect, recognition, how people see you, status even, then you're never going to say something that will make people think you're weird. <laughs> and so you have to interrogate your why before we talk about anything else. Because if you don't know the why for you, then this strategy of being a miracle worker at your workplace is going to be eaten up by your culture. The way that you automatically do things and automatically talk to people, the way that you engage with your boss and your colleagues and your clients and whomever else, really determines, well not determines, really reflects what your faith is right now for your work. So we have to talk a bit about the why, right? We have to talk about what our culture actually is when it comes to work, how we spend our time, and what we think is important with our time, and what our motivations are. So I'm going to pause here to talk a little bit about why I'm excited to share the story, which really is the story, my story of the last two years. I'll just touch on it briefly, because otherwise it'll get too long. Um, but essentially, in January 2021, I started a new job, and when I first started the job, I found um, the environment a little unwelcoming and I'm trying to find the right words, not, not a welcoming environment for me. <laughs> I felt like the people that were shareholders in the company, the directors of the company, didn't, in my opinion and perspective, value their employees the way that I thought that uh, made sense. And it felt um, like the culture was very difficult, very off. And this is some of what Darren was talking about last week. He spoke to us from Jeremiah 29 about our perspective when we go into a Babylon, into a place that's confusing and different from us and unwelcoming and ungodly, and how instead of rejecting that environment, what God spoke to the Israelites about was planting, investing, building there, because as it prospers, they would too. So I found myself in a bit of a Babylon, and... Obviously, this is not the environment that God has for me. Obviously. Obviously, even though the opportunity was very miraculous in the first place, obviously, God would never put me in a place like this. I need to start looking for other jobs. And that didn't really work. <laughs> and I'm still at the same company, right? So it's been more than two years, just over two years. And What's changed in the process has been what God has spoken to me about, about how I interact with that environment and my perspective in that environment. Because I started off not wanting to be a person used for miracles there because I didn't have a heart for that environment at all. I just wanted to get out of there and find something more comfortable because my why was comfort. And God wants to use me in that environment to change something. He wants to take my eight hours, my five loaves and two fish and use it to bring about a miracle that'll change thousands and thousands of people. And I don't know what or how that's going to happen, but it will only happen if my faith is engaged with God to see a miracle in that environment. So... That's kind of what I'm talking about when we're talking about miracles in the marketplace. It must begin with whether or not you want to see God move and to see him glorified in your work. 
Ephesians 2, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. These are the words, this, this book was written in Greek, so these are the Greek words for good and works. Good, of good nature, useful, agreeable, joyful, pleasant, distinguished, excellent, upright, and honorable. And ergon works, right? It doesn't just mean the things you do. This version of the word is clearly your business, your industry, your work. And so we're created in Christ Jesus that the work that we do is meant to be good, useful, honorable, excellent, agreeable, joyful, that our physical work is meant to bring glory to God. And I put before you that this is one of the primary expressions of the kingdom of heaven coming on earth, that in our work that we see the world becoming a better place, being more excellent and honorable and useful and joyful. If you think about what Darian showed us last week, he, for those who weren't here, it was like pie charts about how the world has essentially developed over the last 200 years such that things like the mortality rate has gone from 80% to 20%, that um, poverty levels have decreased significantly, all of these progressions in the world, and it's this kind of work that when we work unto the Lord, that things change such that the world becomes more like heaven. That's what our work is meant to be. So when you go into your workplace, right, is this what your expectation is that you're going to do, whether or not it's in an environment that you want to be in? You may be a little bit disappointed by things that you thought were going to happen that didn't happen. That was also why I wanted a very comfortable work environment in 2021. I had a picture of how work was going to look, and I put all of my faith into it, and it didn't work out how I thought it would. And I had to deal with not telling God what his plan for me is, but accepting that where God leads me, that's what success looks like. And that is what my opportunity is to be used for miracles. So this is just an example. There's so many people here, but these are men and women famous scientists used by God over time that have had incredible inventions. And I chose these people for a specific reason, but there's hundreds of them. So there's the site if you want to go look it up. There's hundreds of these people. But these are men and women, there's some women, right, that were, they, they viewed the work that they did as an expression of their faith, and they partnered with God in that. And they spoke outright about their faith and the opportunity God gave them to discover certain things. And there's significant people here. I mean, there's Isaac Newton, who we all know about because we trip, right? There's Gregor Mendel, who discovered and started the study of genetics in the field of genetics. Florence Nightingale, who instituted nursing. George Washington Carver, who transformed the industry of agriculture. These are people that did things that maybe in their lifetime they didn't see the impact of, but they have changed the world. And they have, their work, has been used to bring about those developments and improvements to health and agriculture and industry and all sorts of things around us, right? So this is my picture of what it means to be people that are bringing miracles in the marketplace, is that we devote our work unto God and the fruit of that is that it brings earth to become more like heaven. Um, last year, Zach and I had to go to Every Nation Bryanston because he was speaking about something and the subject of the sermon that day was faith, the spirit and work, sorry, the spirit and work, which because of the place I was in was like, oh God has my number, you know. And uh, one of the things that was spoken about in the sermon um, 
it's a really good sermon, you can go and look it up on their um, YouTube page, that's what it's called, was about time and how we view time. Because we think about work often as something that takes up time in the week, right? We have to do it, I need money because I have to eat. Unfortunately, this is how the 21st century works, you know, nine to five, five days a week, that's what I've got to do. But if God viewed our work as an additional obstacle, right? But the only time that was like holy time is the time we spend in prayer and in the Bible and going to church. If that was what God wanted us to do all of the time, then it brings up some questions as to why he created the world the way that he did. For example, let's just take food, right? And nutrients. Like if we just, we're supposed to spend all of our time sort of in worship, very monk-like, reading the Bible, then nutrients would probably just be absorbed into our skin somehow, you know, falling from the sky and that would be it. But it takes months and months, tilling the soil, preparing the soil, planting the seeds, waiting for them to grow, protecting them from drought and from, you know, pests and whatever else. And then you harvest the crops and then you send it off to be processed and you've got agro-process and produce and all of that and then it goes to a wholesaler and then a retailer and then you buy it and it doesn't stop there and then you prepare it and then you cook it and then you eat it and it takes hours for the nutrients to get digested into your system. It's a process and it requires a lot of work and from the very beginning this is what God created that we would be working and glorifying God through our work. And this is why I think it's one of the primary places that we bring about goodness and an expression of God's kingdom. It's because we are meant from the very beginning to see work as a place for miracles and ministry. So it brings us back to that question of what is your why when you go to the office tomorrow? Do you have more faith for God to meet you tonight in worship than you do when you're sending emails tomorrow? Do you have more faith that God will do a miracle for you when you're spending time in prayer than when you're making latte art as a barista? Like what do you have faith for when it comes to your work? If you don't investigate your why, then this strategy is just gonna be eaten up by your culture and it's gonna be short-lived. So that's the why. I'm gonna transition to talk about the how a little bit. How do we become those people then that God looks upon and says, that's the kind of man and woman that I want to use to bring a miracle. So let's think a little bit about that. If you think about the people in scripture, the Josephs, the Esthers, the Davids, the Daniels, what, why was it those people? Why Joseph and not Reuben or Levi or Judah? Very significant tribes in the kingdom of Israel, but why was it Joseph who was used to go into Egypt? Why David and not one of his older brothers? Why Esther and not one of the other Jewish girls? What was it about these particular people that made them people that could bring about a miracle? And the answer to that is character and competence. They were all people of excellent character and excellent competence. And they worked hard, just like these men and women, and they served God faithfully unto his glory And so they were able to be used by God for significant miracles. So we're going to talk about Daniel as our example tonight. Daniel is an incredible, incredible person. And I really encourage you to go and read the book of Daniel if you want to um, have God minister to you more in this area. But I couldn't choose all of the stories. So we're just going to read an excerpt of Daniel 1. 
to look at what about Daniel made him a person of character and competence such that he could be used for a miracle. So in the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. Then the king commanded Aspenaz, his chief eunuch, to bring some of the people of Israel, both of the royal family and of the nobility, to stand in the king's palace and to teach them the literature and language of the Chaldeans. The king assigned to them a daily portion of the food that the king ate and of the wine that he drank. But Daniel resolved that he would not defile himself with the king's food or with the wine that he drank. Therefore, he asked the chief eunuchs to allow him not to defile himself. I cut it out because it was long. But basically, they were like, we're going to get killed if we don't give you the same food, right? Our heads are going to be on the chopping block. And so Daniel said to the steward, Test your servants for 10 days. Let us be given vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then let our appearance and the appearance of the youths who ate the king's food be observed by you and deal with your servants according to what you see. And the king spoke with them, and among all of them none was found like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Therefore they stood before the king, and in every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king inquired of them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and enchanters that were in the whole kingdom. Amen. May God bless the reading of his word. I need water, sorry. Daniel and his three friends stood out firstly because they were very different and they refused to be put in a position <coughs> excuse me that went against their conviction about the law of god the reason that they didn't want to eat the food was because it hadn't been prepared in line with the law of god in modern terms we would say it has it's not kosher food and because of their internal belief in God, the way that they had adopted his law in their hearts, they were like, we can't do that, right? Vegetables and water is not a nice diet. I don't know how many of you have done that over fasting. It's not great. We do it because we love Jesus. And that's exactly what Daniel did, right? But they were in that service for three years, it says right at the beginning of the chapter. He was so determined that no matter how it was perceived by the people around him, he did not want to go against God's word. And Daniel was in a place that he didn't want to be in. It wasn't his choice to be in Babylon. I mean, we can imagine that when Daniel and them were taken captive, that he had other dreams. He had things that he wanted to do. He had aspirations and goals. And then he was put in this place. And instead of being in that place and going like, well, clearly God doesn't exist, he was so determined that no matter where he was, he was never going to go against what God had spoken to him about in his word. And that character that Daniel demonstrated set him apart from everybody else. And it wasn't all easy and it wasn't all good. I mean, the stories throughout, you know, Daniel 2, um, where King Nebuchadnezzar, he has a dream, but he's like, I'm not going to tell you my dream. If you really are a wise man, then you can figure out what the dream is and you can interpret it for me. And if you don't, I'm going to kill everybody. That part was a bit extreme. But he had this perspective, and I think it's because he was the king and people probably abused him a lot, right? That he was trying to test out who was legit. That's my opinion. 
The point is that in that environment, Daniel still, in that space, was able to stand up before the king and say, nobody can do what you're asking them to do, but there is a God in heaven who can. He didn't take credit for himself in that space. He gave glory to God, even when the threat of death was imminent before him. I'll go through other stories as we go. But the point is that Daniel and Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah demonstrated character extreme character that no matter who saw them no matter what place they were in whether they wanted to be there or not they were determined to live for God and God alone and that faithfulness over little is why God could put them over much our character must first and foremost be expressed by our righteousness our determination to do things the way that God would do them or the way that God has told us to do them is probably better said because of God, not because of anybody else, not for a bonus at the end of the year, not because we don't want to get caught, but to do them out of righteousness, right? That I'm not going to steal, I'm not going to lie, I'm not going to, you know, say I'm working from home and then not, right? To do things righteously because of God, not because of man, no matter how we are treated by our employer. That's the hard part for me. But no matter what the environment is, I'm supposed to live righteously because of Jesus. But the other component of character is our faith and how much faith we have for the environment. You see, I mentioned to you um, right at the beginning my story about my workplace. And the primary thing that changed for me is talking to God about purpose and what purpose is. And we love talking about purpose in the church. We love the idea of purpose because we all feel like God has called us to something. And he has. He absolutely has. He's created you in his image to do good works. There's a purpose that he has for you. But we think about purpose very linearly, right? And we think about time like that. And so purpose is expressed in a point in time or perhaps multiple points in time, but that's often how we think about it. So for example, if I feel like God's purpose for me is that he's called me to be a doctor, then sort of working towards getting that qualification is the first like point in time of like checkbox of achieving my purpose. And then the way I'm able to minister as a doctor to people is an expression of purpose, Right? That's often how we think about it. If anything were to take away my ability to do that, then my purpose is suddenly threatened. For example, if I get sick or I retire, which we all want to do one day, then where does purpose fit in now after that point? At what point in Daniel's life did he fulfill his purpose? Who knows? Nobody knows, because purpose is not a once-in-time type of thing. Purpose is not a point or a checkbox or a goal, even though it may be expressed, like, like we view it like, yes, but purpose is about I'm meant to be a businessman and I get to do that for a while. But no, you don't always get to do the thing that you think is what God's purpose for you is. And so the thing that shifted for me is because I don't know when and how purpose is going to be expressed, I have to treat my current environment as the place where my purpose is going to be expressed. Because I don't want to miss it because I had a different picture of what it was. 
And so purpose is not about a thing that you do. I don't think that purpose and career are at all the same thing. I think that career is a man-made thing. That's not a bad thing. Buildings are also a man-made thing, right? They're very good. I think career is not a bad thing, but I don't think that it's God's picture of purpose. Purpose is more than that. Purpose is meant to be expressed in every part of our lives, in our relationships, in our work, in our whatever, our church environment as we minister, right? Purpose is all over that because purpose is an identity that we live out we're called to be kingdom or a kingdom of priests amen Jesus we're called to be a kingdom of priests which means priests of a kingdom basically priests of the kingdom of heaven that's what we're called to be in everything as a mother or father as a friend as an employee as a client I'm meant to be a priest of the kingdom of heaven in every single environment that I'm in, looking to bring about glory to God and all of that. And that is a component of our character. That's a component of our character. And then we see that with Daniel and Hananiah and Mishael and Azariah, that in every opportunity, even though they were captive in Babylon, that they wanted to glorify God. Whether they were put over much, whether they were about to be thrown into a fiery furnace, they said, we will glorify God no matter what. When I was praying about the sermon, particularly this morning, I felt that when it comes to this purpose element, really one of the questions we have to ask ourselves is whether or not we believe that we will find satisfaction in God. Because I think that that's a thing that comes and goes for us, is that belief. And God has promised us, right, that he will give us plans to prosper us and not to harm us. Not that he will give us, that he has plans to prosper us. He's, he's promised that as we follow him on that narrow road, doing the things that he has said, that we will find the desires of our heart, that all these things shall be given to us as well. He's promised that as he leads us beside those still waters, he will satisfy and restore my soul. But do you believe it? Because what we do, what we tend to do, what I certainly try to do half the time, is that I want to find satisfaction in life. I want to find satisfaction. And so I'm looking for the ways that God satisfies through living on purpose, through finding a good marriage, through having children. And I'm trying to put these things together and ask God to bless them and be in them so that I can find that satisfaction. But the problem is that I'm the one who's deciding what it is I need that to satisfy me. And I'm trying to put it together. Instead of, God, what do I need to satisfy me? How do you want to satisfy me? And the habit that we need to get into is first and foremost, when we're feeling that dissatisfaction, which a lot of the time we feel with work, we're saying, God, how do you want to satisfy me? And most of the time, he will speak that word that will minister to your heart. And perhaps none of your circumstances will change. Perhaps it is vision that he gives you for something else. But it's his doing and his word that brings the satisfaction. And whether or not that applies to your marriage or to your parenting, when you are looking for satisfaction from a place of dissatisfaction, it has to be from God, not from your spouse or your job or your children or your family or your friends. It has to be from God. 
So that has to do with our character, how we serve God in our workplace. If we're going to be people of character, then God will look and see this is a man or a woman that is faithful in that place and has an expectation for a miracle in that place that I can use. But the other component of that is our competence, and our competence is very, very important. The people that we spoke about earlier, the scientists and inventors, they were people that worked really, really hard to be good at what they did. Daniel, David, Esther, these are people that worked really, really hard to be competent and excellent in what they did. And this is why competence is so important, because Daniel would never have had an audience with the king if he was not competent. And he wouldn't have had that opportunity to say, God wants to glorify himself to you. God wants to minister to you. He would have only said that to the few people around him, right? But if he wasn't excellent and competent, then he wouldn't have been put in those positions that he was able to speak that word to the king. The same of Joseph. The same of, I mean, these characteristics are throughout people in scripture. And so... Our attitude to our workplace is also expressed in how we work, how hard we work, and who we do it for. When I was reading up this week, well, actually this was a couple weeks ago, um, I came across a couple of really great resources, and I've put them on the last slide, that really are about faith and work. And so if you want to, you should take a photo of that and go and read up further on it. But I came across a blog that spoke about how this scripture, where Jesus was asked, what are the two greatest commandments? How this gives us a bit of a picture of what our attitude towards work should be. The greatest commandments are, the Lord our God, the Lord is one, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. And the second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. What does it mean to love the Lord your God with all your strength? What does that mean? to work hard, (laughs) that in everything you do, you do it for the Lord with all your strength, not half-heartedly, not like up until 5 p.m. when I can clock out and I'm done, or even 4.30 on a Friday, you know, like doing it with all of your heart and all of your strength unto the Lord. And the second, to love your neighbor as yourself, that's the kind of work that we do, that the work that we do is meant to show other people how good God is and how lovely he is and that our work actually contributes to our neighbors knowing God is with them and God loves them. Colossians 3, bond servants, obey in everything those who are your earthly masters, not by way of eye service. That means not so that people see you do it, right? That you're like, okay, I'm going to deliver this task when the boss is in. Hello? You know, not as people pleases, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. Knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. Our competence is one of the things that God can use to bring about a miracle in the marketplace. Because the marketplace needs to also know how excellent God is and how great he is, and how magnificent he is. And if the example before them doesn't reflect that, then maybe they won't get to see that about God. So we need to be people that are determined to live out extreme character, right? And high competence in everything that we do so that we can be people used by God in the marketplace. I feel like My husband, Zach, is a perfect example of this, and I am biased, I know, but he really is amazing. But I mean, in in his work, you know, he studied financial management, he had a job at another company working at the time in accounting, basically, and bookkeeping, and in that time, really felt like God speaking to him to 
to leave and go and serve with his parents in the orphanages. Now, I, as amazing as his parents are, it is difficult to work with your parents, right? I don't know how many of you would volunteer to do that. But, and, and working in that space and in the like, social responsibility orphanage space is not something that Zach feels is part of his like, long-term purpose, but he knows that it's what God has called him to now. And so he works in that environment with excellence, because it's not about his parents, it's not about his paycheck, it's not about whether or not he could get another opportunity, which has come and he's declined because he's felt like God has called him to serve where he is and to do it with excellence. And those are the kinds of people that God is looking for that are saying, I'm going to work unto the Lord, but I'm going to work with an expectation that this work is building a kingdom. This is not about a nine to five. This is about the kingdom of heaven on earth. And I don't know always how it's going to work out, but I want to be a person that can be used by God for a miracle in the marketplace. So as we close tonight, I want to touch on a few ways that I think we can really start to do this like as of tomorrow, you know. And there are the resources I mentioned. Sorry, they're a little bit small, but if you want them, there they are. Um, so the first is this, live differently. You are going to be different if you choose to follow God's way in the marketplace. And you're going to stand out like a sore thumb. It's a very weird saying, actually. But anyway. If you think about Daniel and his friends, their competence attracted a lot of negative attention. In fact, Daniel 3 and Daniel 6 are both examples, and Daniel 5 actually, where people around them tried to get them killed because they were better than them. And people were threatened by their competence. And literally, in the face of death, they still chose to honor God and serve God and say that, you know, it, if this is the way I go, then that is unfortunate. But I will never, ever bow down to something else, that God is the only one that I want to glorify. And if you are going to be a person that has faithful miracle in the marketplace, you should be expectant that there is going to be a target put on your back. And it's going to be uncomfortable at times to be the person that lives differently, to be the person that doesn't fit into their environment. And that's where your character really starts to show up and your faith, and who you're willing to serve. And so if you're here and you're wanting to be that person, you're saying, God, I, I don't always know how it's going to work out, but I do want to be that person. Help me minister right through, uh, in my workplace, through my work. Then I want to ask you to be, when we pray, to just give to God all of your whys, all of your motivations, every part of your heart, and ask him to prepare you for that place of being different. But know this, that no matter what, just like with Hananiah, Azariah, or Mishael, who we more commonly refer to as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, just like with those three, that in the fire, Jesus will be with you. Jesus will be with you, and he will protect you, that when you get out of the fire, you won't even smell like smoke. At all times, give praise to God in everything. That's what they did repeatedly, no matter what the opportunity was. Daniel never took praise and glory for himself. He constantly gave the praise back to God. And sometimes you're going to have to go back and correct things to do this. I had to do that recently. I was talking to a colleague of mine at work, and we were talking about my family, and I have some difficult family history. And she said, as like a throwaway comment, um, it's amazing that you came out like such a normal, healthy person. 
And my response was, my mom is amazing, <laughs> which is true, <laughs> but I missed my opportunity right there to be like, Jesus is amazing. So I messaged her later and I was like, you know, I actually have to apologize to you because I didn't tell you the truth. And I told her about Jesus and about some experiences that I've had where God has ministered to me, specifically about family. And I, I mean, it was a very long conversation, but I, I had to correct it. And she was so open to it, you know, and she is not a believer, does not believe in Jesus at all. But that authenticity and that vulnerability, I guess she appreciated. Either way, whatever she thought, I had to go back and correct that it was, my mom is amazing, but it's not because of her. She only can do so much. I can point to the times and encounters that I've had with God that have changed me. And that is what I want to talk about in the workplace. So I'm still learning how to do this and how to figure it out. But I want to be a person that at all times gives praise to God, that uses those opportunities to say, no, it's not because of anything great that I or any of my family did. It's because of God. Make disciples, right? That's an easy one for us. Not in that it's actually easy to do, we're all terrified of it, but it's something that we know. We know that that's what we're called to do. And I um, invited some people at my office, two um, other women, I invited them to come to church. One of them did. She really loved it. For whatever reason, she wasn't able to, well, she works on the weekend in a second job, and so she's not often able to come on Sundays. And I thought to myself, like, it only occurred to me in January, Jesus didn't tell me to invite people to church. He told me to make disciples. So I asked her if she would like to do like a connect group, basically, at work. And so now we have a connect group, myself and a couple of other people. And, and we're reading through a Bible study on Ephesians. And sure, they're both saved, but we all need to grow in our faith. And this is an opportunity to make disciples and for them to make disciples and for us to figure out how we can hold each other accountable to being miracle people at work. So make disciples, make disciples, tell people about the gospel, invite people into a discipleship relationship, saved or unsaved. Have faith that your work will be good works, right? Our faith and our expectation for what's going to happen at the workplace is really part of the preparation of the environment so that God can use us. Have faith for the company to grow. This is, I think, such an important one. Invest in that place where you are, in that Babylon, so that as it prospers, you will too. Check your attitude about your work. Check your motivation. Check your heart. Because you need to have faith in that environment. And it is difficult to do that when you're bitter and disappointed. And lastly, pray for people. Pray for people in the workplace. Pray for whomever you encounter. When you have an opportunity to say to one of your managers to say, you know, I'm really praying for increased profit this year or whatever it is, you know, tell people about prayer and about faith because then when it happens, they'll go, you know, that person actually said they were praying for this thing, right? And allow yourself to be in that uncomfortable position of being the only faithful person at work. Because that's the environment in which God will use you to bring miracles. Amen? Amen. We're going to pray. Thank you, Lord. Yeah, Jesus, we just come before you right now, Lord, in all humility, Lord God, knowing that so often we don't get this right. <laughs> so often, Lord God, the why for work, why we work, and how we view it is more about us than it is about you, Lord God. And so firstly, we just want to repent, Jesus. We want to repent of our selfishness, of our greed, of our fear. Lord God, where we have had a lot of anxiety about work, 
we want to bring that before you now as well, Lord. Knowing that you are God, you are with us. Your rod and your staff, they comfort us, Lord. No matter if we're walking through peaceful streams or through a valley, Lord God, you are with us and goodness and mercy will follow us all the days of our lives. And so we bring that anxiety and that fear before you, Lord, about work, about purpose, about achieving our purpose, about being significant and being good enough for you. And we just lay that to rest. Father, we don't want to idolize purpose. We don't want to idolize significance. We want to do what you have called us to do in every season, be it a Babylon or a a beautiful place. Help us to be ministers, Lord God. Help us to be a kingdom of priests. I pray for every person in this room that right now you would speak a word to them, Lord God. Speak an encouragement to them about how you want to use them. We just open our hearts for that. We're going to wait on the Lord for a minute while he speaks. Thank you, Lord. Lord, give us the vision that you have our place, Lord God, for what we do with our hands, Lord. Give us that vision that our work would be good works, bringing about glory, bringing about the kingdom of heaven around us. Minister to us, Lord God, where disappointment, where things not working out how we thought they would, where that's become more what we've pursued or avoided than pursuing your word. I pray that right now you would release faith in this room. You would release faith over all of us that we would be people expectant that in emails and in board meetings and in talking to people at work that everything that we do is an opportunity for you to bring a miracle, for you to move, for you to speak. We don't want to view church and and worship time as the only place that we see you move lord god we want to expect and anticipate and experience god in our workplace god at work around us we want to be those people of character and competence that see a demonstration of the kingdom of heaven right in our very midst and so we ask that you would use us lord god we, we say tonight, here we are, use me, Lord God, use me, Lord. May my story be more about you than it is about me. In Jesus' name.